is the great enemy of spiritual life. To live the way of Jesus, we have to slow down. But this is not easy in the chaos of our urban digital world. To experience the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Allow his pace and his practices to rule our lives. Hurry will sever your connection to God, to other people, and to your own soul. Who are we becoming? Slow down. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Live freely. Live lightly. And find rest for your soul. Have you ever been afraid to relax? <laughs> we went on vacation uh, two weeks ago, and we had a three-day, three-park pass to Universal, and we crammed so much into those three days. It was so much fun. One afternoon, Edith and I rode eight rides in three hours. We crushed Universal. <laughs> and on the last day, because my wife is wise, she scheduled a day just at the hotel before we flew home. And I woke up on the last day of vacation, which um, for most of us, we go on vacation to relax. Um, and I went down to the hot tub, and I was the only person in the whole pool area and as I sat there, after the events of Universal, after the months leading into the anticipation about the trip, um, I started to realize that I was breaking inside and that I was extremely sad. And God whispered to me in the hot tub and he said, you're so weary. And I remember thinking, how do I go back? And when people say, how was your vacation? How do I go back and I say, I'm weary? Because the expectation is that when you take time off, you come back refreshed, right? And then you prove to everyone why the vacation was so important. And I came back with a greater sense of it took, it took me um, five days of intentional disconnection from my phone. I didn't have my phone on at all while I was on vacation. It took me five days to get to a point where I could sit in a hot tub by myself and distinguish the voice of God. And in that moment, God wasn't saying to me, Nate, you're doing it all wrong. He wasn't saying, 
you're a bad husband, you're a bad dad, you're a bad leader. What God wanted to say to me was, the way you're doing this is not sustainable. The way that you're doing this is not sustainable. You're weary. Your heart is heavy. You're tired. And then he followed it up with an invitation and said, come with me. Come with me. And I'll show you a different way to live. And this morning, this invitation will be extended to you. It'll be in the midst of a talk, or maybe it's already happened. My prayer is that you would be able to respond to a loving creator, the one that holds all things together, the sustainer of life, the giver of each breath, that you would be able to respond to the invitation to a new way of living. And that today would start something new for you as that existential crisis for me in a hot tub at Cabana Bay <laughs> reinforced that I was on the right path, that something had to change. So let me pray for us and we'll jump in. So Father, I ask for your spirit uh, to move, to direct, to have authority. And so whatever oppositions we bring, whatever walls we've already realized are in place, uh, we, would your spirit um, move with authority and deconstruct those walls or demolish those walls? Um, would your spirit um, speak directly to us this morning to what we need to hear that would lead us to life? That would, that would lead us to really living. And so we, we don't want to be in a hurry. We want to invite your spirit to direct. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 11 is the text that we'll be looking at, so if you want to open your Bible or your phone, Matthew 11 is where we'll be. There's a, a very interesting interview with Dallas Willard. Anyone familiar with Dallas Willard? Wonderful um, theologian, modern-day um, author. And the question was posed to Dallas Willard, in all of your studies, in all of your studies of Jesus, in one word, how would you describe Jesus? And Dallas sat silent for a few minutes. And from his silence, Dallas said, relaxed. Relaxed. <laughs> Who here would say, if, if I asked you, in one word, describe Jesus? Who would say relaxed is the, is the first or the, the main, the, the, the main descriptor? Most of us would be like all powerful and we'd get it wrong because we said two words, right? Right off the bat. Relaxed. In Matthew 11, we find Jesus' powerful invitation. It was the invitation I received in that hot tub, and it's the invitation this morning that I believe is for us as a community. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Who here this morning longs to find rest for your souls? I do. So the yoke here that Jesus is speaking of is a rabbinical reference. And so this wasn't a new concept. This is Jesus actually building on a concept that would have been common to his, those who were listening. And Jesus is saying, learn my way. Learn my way. Learn the way that I approach life. We would call it a lifestyle. We might even call it a worldview. But Jesus is saying, come to me, learn from me my way. Jesus' yoke is his pace. It's his pace. And it's his way of living. It would have been common for a rabbi to say, come with me and imitate me. And Jesus is doing this exact thing. Jesus is saying, take my yoke, learn my yoke. Now the important thing for us this morning is that Jesus isn't saying this is about you agreeing with my knowledge. This is not mental agreement. Jesus isn't saying come and learn my yoke, meaning that you can list the 12 most important things in the scriptures and that we have agreement about them. This is not about information, it's about a way of living. So Jesus is saying, come be with me and learn a new way to live. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, learn my way of life. It's easy and it's light. And if you practice my way of life, you'll find rest for your souls. Dallas Willard once said that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. So in the next few weeks, we're going to consider a case against hurry. We're going to talk about it on Sundays, and we're going to talk about it in our small groups. And we want you to consider that Jesus' yoke did not include hurry. We want you to learn through this process that hurry is, in, is incompatible with love. Hurry is incompatible with love. And we will set out together an ancient practice of a rule of life as a way to slow down to the speed of love. Carl Jung, it was his work that the Myers-Briggs uh, was built on, so he's a smart guy. Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. Hurry's not of the devil, it is the devil. Working overtime, adding activities for little Johnny or little Julie, endless notifications coming in on your phone, 
Carl Jung said, that's the devil. Hurry is the devil. For us to ever be fully present to ourselves, to ever be fully present to others, to ever be fully present to God, we've got to learn how to slow down. To live the way of Jesus, to take his yoke, to learn from him. And to do that, it will require us to stop the hurry. But it's not easy to do that. Because you'll have situations like me, when the hurry stops, you realize how sad you are. When the hurry stops, you realize you have open wounds. When the hurry stops, you realize God's been trying to get your attention for a long time. And you've been distracted. Hurry severs our connection to God and to others. And I've found that hurry severs the connection to our own soul. But for those of us who will take the opportunity to practice this together, our number one problem will be time. And that most of us are too busy to actually live a spiritually healthy life. And that is extremely sad. And it's extremely true. And so we have to ask ourselves, to whom are we an apprentice? To whom are we an apprentice? Whose life are we imitating? Is it somebody in our office? Can we learn to slow down and to become apprentice to Jesus? Most of us suffer from what has become known now as a disease called hurry sickness. And we don't even realize it. We actually just accept it as a way of life in the 2020s, right? A recent study found that the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. And that is all users. When it's just millennials, that number doubles. We live in continual partial distraction. T.S. Eliot, he talked about our twittering, twittering earth. <laughs> he wasn't talking about the Twitter that you guys were thinking of. And he said, we are distracted from distraction by distraction. <laughs> yes? Does that sound like your life? You can raise your hand. Yeah? We're distracted from distraction by distraction. I think about sitting to coffee with friends and our phones sit in between us with notifications and buzzes and, you know, we like to think of Starbucks as being the siren, but when we're in Starbucks, our phones are the sirens just calling to us to drag us out of that face-to-face -face communication. There's an amazing TED Talk, uh, and I'll butcher his last name, but I'll, I'll say it's Carl Honoré. 
and it's titled In Praise of Slowness. If you get a chance, you should watch it. But Carl shares that he knew that he was in trouble. This is parents, grandparents, (laughs) babysitters. Carl said he knew he was in trouble when he celebrated the release of a book called One Minute Bedtime Stories. Because it was arduous for him to read a bedtime story to his son. He knew all of the dinging was going on on his phone in the other room. And Carl makes an emotional confession in this TED Talk, and it's super powerful, and I would encourage you to watch it. But it was the moment when he thought, oh, great, I'll only have to do that for a minute. (laughs) And he got caught because his son had memorized the books. And so he was skipping pages. (laughs) And his son was like, no, 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 no. You skipped a page, Dad. (laughs) For those of us who have had those moments with children, we know that they're sacred. We know that they're sacred. They have the potential to be sacred. In his talk, Carl now says that the story is the gateway actually into his son sharing with him how his day was and how that has blossomed into a connection with his children. For me, uh, there's many gifts that fostering, being a foster home has given me, but one of those gifts has been a second chance to slow down and to engage the kids. When my kids were the, when my bio kids were the age of my foster kids, I thought that I had to rescue the world. And it took whatever hours of the day were available. And I get a second chance as a foster dad to be present for milestones, to not hear about them, but to actually witness them. And I get a second chance as a foster dad to use the kids as an excuse to cancel plans that I've already made. And that's a wonderful thing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But this term, hurry sickness, it came, came out of a study from Stanford, and so it's defined as this. If you chronically feel there's never enough time to accomplish all you want to do, you keep trying to perform tasks faster and faster, you get upset and even angry when you run into a delay, or any unexpected roadblock in your effort, you likely have hurry sickness. And so they've given us a way to self-assess. And so I put it in your bulletin because I want you to take it home and I want you to self-assess. Hurry sickness symptoms are you feel a continual sense of urgency about getting tasks done quickly. Check, right, if that's you. Multitasking so many different things you end up forgetting one or more of the things you're juggling. It's scary when the thing you forget is to shut off the stove, right? You're becoming anxious when you feel stuck in line at a store, often moving from one checkout to the other because you always want to save a few minutes, yeah? Trader Joe's, does that sound familiar? Being in such a hurry, you sometimes make embarrassing mistakes. 
like putting on an item of clothing backwards or inside out, yeah? Feeling you absolutely must drive in the lane where cars are going the fastest or with the least cars. So here's Ruth Haley Barton. She's a spiritual director. Said, here's 10 signs that you may be suffering from hurry sickness. Check these off if they're you. Irritability. If, if my talk is already offending you, check that one. <laughs> Hypersensitivity. If you got mad when I referenced the millennials, check that one. <laughs> Restlessness. Anyone restless right now? <laughs> Compulsive overworking. Emotional numbness. You can't feel deeply anymore. Escapist behaviors, alcohol, food, Netflix. You're disconnected from your identity and your calling. You're hoarding energy. You're not able to attend to your human needs. And then slippage in our spiritual practice. How'd you do? Seven out of 10? <laughs> oh, 10 out of 10, perfect score. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to admit that we're not where we want to be. Some things will have to change for us if we're going to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. For us to love well, there will be a sacrifice. I was faced with the opportunity to go the way of slow, to go the way of Jesus during the warming center. And admittedly, I was torn because ultimately, hurry competes with love. And I knew the Father was inviting me to love one of our guests. But the easy answer wouldn't have required much from me. And so one of our guests was recently homeless. He still was employed and was trying to keep his employment and was finding it difficult traveling from Oakland County back to Macomb County for his shifts. And he wanted to meet with me to talk about that. And for me, the easy answer, the quick answer, was to say yes to his request, which was, can you get me a hotel room for the next three weeks in Macomb County, and then I'll have enough checks to get my own? And the easy answer to that is yes. As soon as I stepped away from him, he came back to me and he said, oh, and pastor, can you pray for me? And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm setting up to, to get a hotel room for someone, and then he had to come back and ask me to pray for him? Like, what is going on? And I, I knew that as soon as I stepped into his world, the hotel room was not gonna be the answer. <laughs> and so I was trying to not lose that time. 
And so I prayed with them, and as we were praying, the Spirit was like confronting me. Like, really? You're gonna, you're gonna get him a hotel room? Like, <laughs> is that, that's what you think is gonna be the answer to this? And I know, no, it's a Band-Aid, it's a Band-Aid. In three weeks, he'll be in the exact same spot. And as I was driving home, the Spirit was telling me that that was an unacceptable response. And so the next day, when I was supposed to pick him up to take him to the hotel, um, I stepped into the conversation that we needed to have, which was how to break the cycle and how if I put him in a hotel in three weeks, we'll be having the conversation again. And made a few phone calls, and turns out there was one spot at a 90-day program that helps you to secure housing. And so they said, we'll save it for you, but you better be here within an hour. And so we drove there, and so I was two hours in now to being together. And we waited in the lobby until they found time to meet us. And over that time, he shared with me his struggles and his heart and what he longed for, for his family. And the man called him back, and the first question he said was, have you been drinking in the last 24 hours? And he looked at me, and I knew he had been drinking, <laughs> you know? And they said, well, you can't be in this program. And I remember him just looking at me and he said, I wanted to be honest. And I was like, yeah, you have to be honest. And I said, just get back in the car. <laughs> so he got back in the car and we drove and we talked. And three hours of my time went to a program, trying to get him set up for a program that was supposed to help him in 90 days, but was judging him because that morning he had a drink. And I can't tell you how much anger was in me. <laughs> and it was not at him. And it was not at God for inviting me into, into the slow way. It was about observing that this system was not set up to help him. And now I carry that weight. I believe God was wanting me to go the slow way of love because God wanted to teach me something in the process and it actually wasn't even about him. Now, did I make a friend? I did. Do I appreciate him? I do. Do I pray for him? Absolutely. And when he's ready, I, I will run. I'll run to help. But love, as the Apostle Paul said, is patient. It's not in a hurry. Love is not in a hurry. I love the way Eugene Peterson says it. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me and get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, in our hurriedness, we're being robbed of presence to ourselves, 
of being fully present to others and of being fully present to God. And our souls are under attack and most of us don't even know it because of all the white noise. Bottom line, our hurried system is flawed. And this is why we don't experience the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We're too busy, we're moving too fast. And we lack the fruits of the Spirit because we think we're supposed to get them in the exchange when we said, oh, I believe in Jesus. That's saying that we would get Jesus' promises without ever living the promises that Jesus has invited us to live. And so Jesus says, take my yoke, share the way that I live. It's not heavy, it's not a burden, it's not hurried. And you'll experience the fruit of the Spirit. Kosuke Koyama was a, was a, was a modern day Japanese theologian. And he said, God walks slowly because he is love. If he's not love, then he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we're accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds, since it is the speed of love. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, whether we are currently hit by a storm or not, at three miles an hour. Three miles an hour is the speed of love. It is the speed that we walk, and therefore, it is the speed the love of God walks. I need to slow down to the pace of love. Do you? In reading John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is informing this series, something he said stuck with me. He said, God doesn't meet you where you want to be. He meets you where you are. God doesn't meet you where you want to be. He meets you where you are. So right where you are, right here, right in this space, is where God wants to meet us. And God wants to walk with us at the speed of love. And God wants to teach us to live freely and lightly. And he's inviting, saying, take my yoke, come learn from me. Is it possible to slow down? It is. What's interesting is that cities and communities are responding to this. There are some communities that are picking one day a month and they're banning all extracurricular activities. Why? Because our kids are overscheduled. And we're teaching them that hurry equals the pace of life. 
Nordic countries, Norway, Sweden, they've slowed their work weeks while still maintaining a thriving economy. Because that's usually the argument. If we stop working so hard, we'll lose. There's whole slow city movements where they're curbing traffic out of downtowns at certain days, certain times, and they're putting in green spaces and park benches, and they're saying there's something here worthy of slowing down for and to be present in. There's whole slow food movements happening. Remember fast food? That got us here, right? <laughs> slow food. This is hilarious. You want to know what the slow food movement is? You go to the store and you pick the food. You take it home. You prep the food. You put it on the table and you eat the food. And they say that that is transforming communities. <laughs> that we actually will find pleasure and we'll find health when we prepare our own food. I mean, it just makes sense, right? We've put some uh, practices in, in your bulletin that I want you to read through over the, this next week. Some of them are fun, but some of them are so direct to the spiritual nature of hurry. And so what do we want you to do with this? It's a lot of information. Hopefully it was fun for you. Here's honestly what I would like for you to do with this this week as you prepare uh, to be back together next week. I, I want you to practice uh, presence to yourself, presence to others, and presence to God. So presence to yourself, presence to others, and presence to God. So the presence to self, I just want you to pay attention this week to the speed at which you move through your day. That's all. Just pay attention to it. How quickly you move through your day. Make, it, make some observations along the way. How do people respond to me? How are, those, how, are, how are my relationships going? Take that list that I gave you, you know, put it on your fridge or in your car, or take a picture of it so it's on your smartphone that you'll touch 2,617 times in a day. Take that list and just put it somewhere so that you can interact with it and ask yourself, how do I feel when I slow down? It can be shocking. Don't judge yourself. It's not about guilt, it's not about shame. We're just making observations. We'll get there, I'm kidding. Just make observations. That's presence to self. Second thing is presence to others. I want you to practice slowing. And so I want you to cancel something that's in your calendar. I want you to take an evening off from your devices. Or, I want you to only have one device going for an evening. I just gave you permission to watch TV, but you can only watch TV. You can't have your cell phone in your hand while you're watching TV. That's how bad we've gotten. <laughs> so practice towards others, set up a coffee date, or take a hike, or take a nap, do something with a friend that doesn't in, in, involve your phone. And then lastly, presence to God. And, um, my encouragement is this, Psalm 23. You wanna write it down? 
Psalm 23. Um, If you can find some moments in your week to read Psalm 23 and to ask God to just highlight to you how God is wanting to enrich your life. How is God wanting to enrich your life? So this isn't about guilt. It's not about shame. This is about the soul being refreshed, restored, and enriched. And I believe that God wants to do that, and that when you ask that question, you will get an inkling. So God, we ask that you would uh, help us to process, digest, and to um, find you in our reflection. And so I've got to ask for um, freedom and wholeness and shalom and peace and refreshing and restoration for your body here. And um, I ask for small wins that come quickly. And so as we step in obedience, Lord, I ask for wins that we can see that will uh, be an encouragement to us to keep stepping in to the invitation to take your yoke and to experience life as um, you intended. So I ask um, for my friends, my family here, Lord, would your spirit be persistent this week with us? My friend, in Christ's name, amen.